Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 64 presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am obsessed with Funfetti Cake and you can't teach that. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he orders a thing of barbecue sauce and honey mustard with every single thing he orders at a restaurant and you can't teach that. Frank, how the heck we doing? Great. Um, yeah, I'm the barbecue king. More often barbecue than honey mustard. Not every place has honey mustard. You're more, you know, you're likelier to find barbecue at a lot of these places. Yeah, but you ask for both oh, yeah. at just yes. about yeah. every place you go Absolutely. out to. And honestly, it's like a fish place or something. I don't get weird. but Yeah, I mean, I get weird. I like hot sauce just about on everything I eat except for ice cream and funfetti cake. So welcome to Bar Down. We have a big show today. Obviously, we are in the midst of the Stanley Cup final between the Colorado Avalanche and the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Stocks likes my hat. You like my hat? I do like your hat. It's, it seems to be a trend this summer. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I've taken it off since I got it. I sleep with it. I shower with it. And I go pee-pee with it. Um, we have a big show today. Obviously... In the being in the middle of the Stanley Cup final, a heavy focus on the two teams that are in the Stanley Cup final. And one of my favorite fans of one of the two teams, he runs a very, very successful mock draft with a bunch of other writers from across the hockey writing scene every year around this time. I just participated in it earlier this week, not as a member of the Devils GM. I was actually the Chicago Blackhawks GM controlling this and we'll get into that a little bit but of course i'm going to introduce to the show kyle Pereira. he's a contributor slash NHL scout for last word on hockey kyle how we doing good how are you Vinny? very very good it's great to have you on our show i'm so happy to be a part of it nice to meet you kyle never met you before but glad you're here nice to meet you too absolutely introductions all around it's good stuff kyle since i met you the Lightning have not stopped winning playoff series. Can you explain yourself? I don't know. I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was me to be honest. Uh, just a bit of luck, I guess. What do you think it is overall that helped them take that next step? Because we saw them play against. Most of the people watching this are going to be from the Chicagoland area. They lost to the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2015 Stanley Cup Final. Kind of had a little bit of a lull in between then and winning it in 2020, but they built up. Nikita Kucherov became what he is today, obviously finding a guy like Braden Point. Victor Hedman became the best defenseman possibly ever. What what in your brain is what got them over that hump? Um, I think, you know, this is probably a cop-out answer to a degree, but uh, I would say Andre Vasilevsky is the biggest reason. Um, his development was phenomenal. I mean, I look back, uh, read a story from uh, Joe Smith of The Athletic, who writes for The Lightning, um, the story behind the scenes of, of his draft year um, when they talked about how in the meeting he was doodling while Steve Eisman was interviewing him, uh, talking to the translator, and he told Steve Eisman in Russian, like, hey, I'll be in Tampa in two years if you draft me. Uh, and that sort of confidence, that quiet confidence, because he's not a very loud guy um, in front of the cameras, and you don't really see that side of him very often. But um, his development behind the scenes, that confidence that he carries, the chip on his shoulder that he has, um, while still being that calm you know, character, uh, 
he's just turned out to be a phenomenal goalie. And obviously you've seen him, you know, in game three, making some of those ridiculous saves. I believe it was JT Comfort who had a couple good looks and he robbed him all three times or, or both times. I forget how many chances he had, but um, yeah, Vasilevsky is definitely the biggest reason why. And it took him a couple of years, obviously 2015, he wasn't a goalie. Um, really his first big run, um, didn't really do a whole lot in the playoffs. wasn't great, but he found his stride uh, after the Columbus sweep, as did most of the team. Um, but yeah, I definitely say Vasilevsky. Yeah, Kyle, you, uh, I like what you mentioned about Vasilevsky because I was telling Vinny last podcast last week that in order for the Colorado Avalanche to win this series and win the cup, they're going to have to solve Andre Vasilevsky. And they did in games one and two. I mean, they were peppering them. They came out swinging, took the first two games of the season. But what changed in game three? Why were the Lightning able to fire back and win game three? And what do they need to do in game four to even up the series? Uh, John Cooper says it all the time. The, uh, you know, the Lightning, they take losses personally. Um, they make sure that whenever they lose, they don't want that feeling again. Um, you know, the, what was it, like 18 and 0, 18 straight wins following a loss in the playoffs uh, up until the Rangers series. And when they lost those two games, they didn't lose a single game after that. Um, won four straight, took out the Rangers in six. Um, you know, so when they lost, you know, seven, nothing, that's an embarrassing loss uh, for any team, whether you have Vasilevsky in net or Mike Smith in net, it's an embarrassing loss to lose seven, nothing to get shut out. Um, but I think, you know, they understand, you know, they've come this far before they know how dangerous they can be. Um, I believe it was Pat Maroon spoke about how Corey Perry, uh, had a big speech at the beginning of the playoffs after they lost to Toronto, like from his perspective, losing to them two years in a row in the finals, like I know how hard you guys are to beat. You know, you have to realize that and you have to play to that ability again because you guys are genuinely hard to beat. And I think it opened up their eyes a little bit. They were able to get through Toronto. Um, I think they just needed that eye-opening loss uh, to Colorado in game two um, to really realize that because they were able to come back against Colorado in game one. Um, and I feel like they got away with a lot of things. You know, Cooper said they played, you know, a good game. The better team won, but they played a good game, uh, able to get back into it late. Uh, to force overtime, but they did not play well. I remember watching that game. Colorado was flying, running circles around them. Like it wasn't as close as the scoreboard said. So for them to lose seven, nothing, I think that really woke them up. Um, not saying that it woke up a beast, uh, like John Tortorella said when Columbus swept them, but um, definitely opened their eyes a little bit. And I think, you know, you're going to see a better lightning team the rest of the series. I called Steven Stamkos' performance in game seven against the New York Rangers, a statue game. I believe for a long time there, Stamkos was like, hey, this guy could be a top five player if he hasn't started to stay healthy. And then he started to stay healthy, right? And now we're starting to see that guy who legitimately is probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. He'll, he'll score his 500th career goal next year. He'll score his 1,000th point. I believe if he plays 72 games, he will reach his 1,000th career game. He'll definitely reach that milestone within the next two years, depending on health and all that type of stuff. But I legitimately think he's one of the greatest players of this generation, and it's got to feel good to have a guy like that playing for you. It definitely does. Uh, he's one of those guys that their first cup run, they really struggled. Um, you know, well, they didn't struggle. Sorry, they didn't struggle without him. Uh, and then he comes in, he scores that goal uh, against Dallas in the finals, and it's like you know he deserved to be in the playoffs. You know, if he was just healthy, he deserved to be there. He would have. I feel like they would have won the Stanley Cup whether he was healthy or not. Um, and then for them to rally behind that goal that he scored, I think it was, you know, just the epitome of what Stamkos brings to the table off the ice. And to finally see him be a part of the long run last year, 
Um, it was really awesome to see that he's just a standout guy, really, really good player who, you know, unfortunately to due to injuries has kind of been a little overlooked and, and underrated um, within the league, especially with young guys like Connor McDavid coming onto the scene during that time of him being injured. So it's really good to see him uh, get a few games, obviously this year, same thing with Braden point, um, you know, point obviously has been injured, but even when he was healthy, wasn't really producing a whole lot when he's usually, you know, the guy that the lightning lean on a little bit as uh, you know, the engine of the team. So, um, to see Stamkos have that big of a game when they needed him the most, it was definitely awesome to see. I mean, any Lightning fan loved seeing that game and, and seeing him be able to pull that off. Yeah, so you see Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Palat, all these guys. It seems like they like to excel more when they're at home versus on the road. You look at Tampa's home record, they're 8-1 and one at home, but they're only 5-6 and six on the road. Do you think if the Tampa had home ice, the script would be flipped right now or do you think they'd still be in the same predicament i think that's a little bit tough to say um you know they dropped the first two games against the rangers as well on you know on the road um it's it's yeah it's just hard to say if they would have home ice if it would have made a difference i mean maybe um but the avalanche they're just the kind of team that i feel like to start this series whether they were at home or on the road i might be the same result maybe a little closer maybe the lighting turned it around in the seven nothing uh, loss that they had but it's really tough to say um, the Avalanche are just a dominant team. Um, so I don't think home ice would really make too big of a difference. Speaking of the Avalanche, do you see what I see when you watch Kale McCarr? Because I see the next Bobby Orr. I wouldn't go to that extent. Um, you know, I'm from Massachusetts. So, you know, I've always heard about Bobby Orr. And yeah. you know, if I ever said anything remotely close to, oh, this player is just as good or better than Bobby Orr, I feel like my dad would take my head out. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's definitely one of the uh, best defensemen I've, or if not the best defenseman I've ever watched personally. Um, I wasn't around, you know, for Bobby Orr, so I couldn't tell you. I didn't watch him. So, um, but Kale McCarr is definitely, arguably, the best defenseman I've ever watched. Uh, I've never seen a defenseman so consistently shut down Connor McDavid the way that he did, and it was eye-opening. It really, I wouldn't say it was his coming out party because everybody's seen what Kale McCarr is able to do. Uh, it's, it hasn't been a secret since he's, you know, gotten into the NHL. But seeing what he did against Connor McDavid, it was like that moment for me that made me realize, okay. This guy is legit. He is, you know, up there with the Victor Hedmans and the Roman Yossis, and he's definitely a top defenseman in the league. And I think, again, that performance against McDavid, I feel like he might be the guy in the league uh, for defensemen, for sure. Put yourself in the predicament where you're drafting for the Tampa Bay Lightning. You're sitting there. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you did the mock draft with Vinny, and you were controlling Tampa Bay, right? You did the Tampa Bay. Okay. Um who, who would you draft if you were drafting for the Tampa Bay Lightning? What key pieces should they target in this year's draft? So I've been thinking about that a lot, uh, actually, you know, the last couple of weeks. Um, over at Last Word, I've been writing a Lightning draft prospect uh, fit piece. Um, and what that means is I look at their draft picks since 2010 when Al Murray became the director or the head of scouting. Um, so I've looked back at a lot of drafts and different tendencies, the stats-wise and all of that. Um, and this year, especially, it seems like the USHL is the way to go. I didn't draft a USHL player. I drafted Yuri Kulik, who personally I really like, and I would love if the Lightning got him. I don't think he'd be there uh, late in the draft, but again, you never know. Um, this draft is kind of all over the place outside of the top 10. Even inside the top 10, uh, there's deferring views. So, um, But all, with all things said, um, you know, I think they'd go USHL. Um, I'm looking at guys like, 
Rucker McGrory, um, Seamus Casey's another one. Um, Lane Hudson, Ryan Chesley are two pieces that fit well for the Lightning as well, just based on uh, draft history. Um, those guys really um, are the main guys I'm looking at for sure. Um, outside of that, uh, David Gaillette's another guy that I really like for the Lightning um, in his style, as well as him being a fit uh, in the project that I do every year. So those are definitely the guys that I'd look at. USHL seem to be big fits across the board. Uh, so using that data, I would say best case scenario, Rucker McGrory um, for forward and Seamus Casey, I would say for defense, this is the best case scenario uh, for the Lightning. So if I'm drafting for them, those are the guys I'm looking at. You brought up disagreeing in the top 10. You don't think the New Jersey Devils should take Gerard Slavkowski with the second overall pick? Um, so I'm a guy that I don't draft for need, right? Like I've always looked at the draft, like you take the best player available. You want to, you know, get the best value because especially for, you know, forwards, um, if you have a winger, that's going to be elite, go for the winger. Um, you don't have to, okay. You have a lot of wingers in your system, right? It, but that's trade value. Um, so if you have a lot of wingers in your system, especially young ones that are developing, build those guys. If one of them doesn't work out, which is, you know, still very likely, then you know you have another guy to lean on because you drafted this guy in this draft. Um, so I'm always a guy that goes for value. And I don't get me wrong, Slavkovsky's a great, great player. I remember watching him, I believe it was the Holinka Gretzky Cup, and I was my jaw dropped like watching him play. He's a big dude and he also has the skill to back that up. Um, but you also have Ben Kerr, who was part of the mock draft as well. I know you weren't part of the Zoom, so you, you may not have heard this um, if you weren't watching. So um, I'll say it again. Uh, ben Kerr said, like, Slavkovsky's had maybe three big weeks in hockey throughout the year uh, in his draft year and not much else after that. So, you know, not to take anything away, he did score 10 points in a men's league, which is not easy to do, especially in, in Liga in Finland. So um, not trying to take anything away. And Ben Kerr said the same thing, but... It's really his international play that's that's jumped out to people, and he's looked kind of average in Liga, which is to be expected, and average is better than what you'd expect from a young kid anyways in Liga. So he's definitely a top-five prospect. I have him ranked fifth um, on my board, so he's definitely there. Uh, I just don't know. I think Logan Cooley is a better fit. I also like Simon Nemich if they want to go defense. Um, in terms of value, I prefer him over a guy like Slavkovsky, but – they can't go wrong. Slavkovsky is going to be a great prospect. I have no doubt that he'd at least be a third liner in the NHL. Uh, that's kind of the way I look at it, just uh, the way he plays. He's, he's really good. Um, New Jersey can't really go wrong there. Yeah, win or lose this year, success or no success for the Tampa Bay Lightning, what are the moves coming in this offseason? Are there any big moves we should expect to see? Uh, I, I feel like – we're going to lose a lot of key players. Um, Palat, Paul might be the two main guys to look at for guys who could, you know, be dealt away or lost in free agency. Um, a guy like Cal foot constantly going through, you know, the rumor mill. It seems like every trade deadline Cal foot's name is thrown out there as, Oh, they could trade him. And then this year we saw, you know, Taylor Radish and Boris Kachu and Matthew Joseph all get dealt, um, you know, for Hagel, who's got a respectable contract for the next couple of years. Paul, obviously, an upcoming free agent. Um, but I haven't really looked too deeply into the offseason just yet. I can't lie. I don't want to just start spewing stuff out of my mouth and hoping something lands. But uh, I think Pilat and Paul are the two guys that the Lightning could lose. Um, Ryan McDonough is a dark horse to be moved as well. Um, you know, last offseason, looking to try to keep Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman and, 
and uh, Barclay Goudreau. I was thinking, oh, they could trade Ryan McDonough. He does have a no trade clause, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he is on the older side. His contract still has a few more years. Uh, Sergic has developed quite nicely. Cal Foot, if they trust him enough, has developed quite nicely. He can move up as well. Uh, they have Eric Chernak on the right side, and they've been pretty good at plugging people in. Sergachev can also play on the right side, um, so they'd still you know, have a top four, semblance of a top four. Um, but McDonough is definitely another guy that I'd pay attention to this offseason is possibly getting dealt if they want to keep a Palat or a Paul. When you talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, you really can't go very long without bringing up Nikita Kucherov. And when they played against the Hawks in 2015, they were part of the triplets line with Johnson and Palat. And it was kind of like using keel between the three of them. Johnson was actually the big goal scorer until he hurt his wrist. And Kucherov was more of the playmaker. But now here we are in 2022 and Kucherov is one of those top 10 NHL forwards. And it's not because of goal scoring. It's not because of playmaking. It's just because he's one of the best offensive players in the league all around. What do you think it was that helped him take it from being just a really good second liner to becoming one of those elite players? And I'm assuming he's probably your pick for the Conn Smythe Trophy as well if the Lightning do hang on and win. So Kucherov is one of those interesting cases, uh, you know, when it comes to his development, no one saw him coming. Um, and his coming up party was the uh, the year that he scored 100 and, almost 130 points. I think it was 128 points. Uh, that was the year that everybody was like, yeah, this guy is one of the top players in the league, arguably top five in the league. So, um, yeah, I don't – I think maybe just patience with the puck um, is, is has been the key for Kucherov. Um, being able to pick his spots as well. His vision has always been there. His hockey IQ has always been there. Uh, his stick handling has always been there. I think it's just maturing, uh, also the uh, experience that he gained um, over the years, as well as working with guys like Tyler Johnson and Andre Pallad and Steven Stamkos and even Victor Hedman you can throw in there as another guy um, that helped his development as well, just with his experience and player development and uh, John Cooper, um, as much as, you know, and, and I'm sure you might get into it now that I'm going to say it, uh, even though I don't really like John Cooper all that much, um, he has also played a big part in Nikita Kucherov's development. Um, I look at the series against Columbus when he took the uh, the really, really dumb penalty uh, that led to a one-game suspension uh, in game two, I believe, and he missed game three. Um, that sort of character development as well definitely pushed him across the line. So I would say patience of the puck and just overall uh, maturity got him to where he is now. I like how you mentioned John Cooper, because I was going to ask you, is the John Cooper era coming to an end if the Lightning lose? I don't think it's coming to an end anytime soon, um, if I'm being perfectly honest. I, again, I, I haven't liked him for quite some time now, uh, before the Columbus series. Uh, me and one of my uh, friends who likes the Lightning as well, we both agree. Like We don't, we don't really like Cooper. Uh, he always comes up with excuses. Like uh, saw with the Toronto series, when they were getting outplayed by Toronto, he said several times, oh, they're not beating us. We're beating ourselves. Like, you know, there's better in us, which is good to say, like, there's better in us. But to say that Toronto isn't beating you is just an excuse. Like, they are beating you. You guys need to figure it out. Like, as a coach, you should be able to, you know, accept that as a fact. Like, you guys were getting outplayed. And so it's just one of those things that really gets under my skin, especially when I saw him laughing in the um, post-game press conference after getting swept by Columbus. He was smiling and laughing in the, in the press conference. I was... Ballista, I was so angry that day. That made me not like him even more. So, um, yeah, it's not coming to an end. Uh, definitely not. It's it's one of those things where he's had so much success, especially in the regular season, specifically in the regular season, 
Um, and Julian Brisbois isn't the kind of guy to, to cut ties with the coach after one Stanley Cup final loss. Um, so I don't think he's going anywhere, at least for the next three to four years, if not longer, um, if I were to put a timetable on it. Earlier in the playoffs, the Lightning defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs. And a lot of people saw the Lightning beating the Leafs as just like, horrid 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 for the Leafs as if they had no chance to ever do anything ever again the sky was falling in Toronto because they lost in seven by one goal to a team that has won I think at the time it was 13 straight playoff series from an outsider's perspective someone that got to see their team play against the Leafs do you think that of the Maple Leafs or do you think they just ran into the buzzsaw that is currently the Tampa Bay Lightning I think it's a comp yeah I think it's just they ran into a wall um you know, the Leafs are a team that I was expecting to be a cakewalk for the Lightning for, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner, but they haven't proved themselves uh, in the playoffs yet. Um, so I was expecting it to be, you know, out in five or six games. Um, you know, I thought their experience and, you know, again, as you mentioned, how many playoff series they won in a row. Um, they had a fully healthy team. Point was healthy. Stamkos was healthy. Kutrov was healthy. Hedman was healthy. Vassy was healthy. Um, I just expected it to be easy, um, but obviously took us to seven. They outplayed us in several games, game one and game three in particular. Game five, they held off a comeback. So um, I think the Leafs, if they you know stay confident in themselves and come back next season in the playoffs and they're able to you know play at the same level they did against the Lightning, I think uh, they very well could uh, move on from round one next year. So I have a lot of faith in the Lightning – sorry, the Leafs. Um, despite what a lot of Toronto fans and Toronto media and other fans uh, think of, of the Leafs. Yeah, getting to watch this Tampa Bay Lightning team has been a lot of fun over the past couple of years. Um, I kind of feel stupid that we didn't see this coming, that they're here in the finals once again. Um, I didn't think they're going to make it this far, but nonetheless, they did. I feel stupid that, like I said, we didn't predict it. But back in 2015, when the Chicago Blackhawks beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, it seems like that lit a fire under their ass to, to build what they have today. So, like, what what have they taken from that Stanley Cup final loss and turn it into the dynasty that we're witnessing right now? Um, just further development. A lot of their guys were young. Uh, Hedman was still young. I think it was 25 at the time, um, 24, 25, somewhere around there. Um, and they were missing a lot of key pieces. I, I remember uh, when the live when the mock draft ended, the live stream ended. A couple of people hung around in the Zoom call for a little bit longer. Um, and, uh, you know, we were talking about the lightning first cup run in 2015 against the Blackhawks, looking at their defense, there were a lot of guys that just weren't that good. You know, Strawman was great. Hedman was great. Um, but they had guys like Coburn, uh, Andre Schuster, um, Jason Garrison, I believe was also part of that team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, Radko Gudis was another one. It just wasn't like a very good decor. Their forwards were great. Um, but Kutrov wasn't, you know, fully developed at the time. He wasn't who he is now. Um, Tally Johnson was great, but Andre Pallad is another one who I don't think he was at the level he is uh, then that he is now. Um, Vasilevsky wasn't the starter. Um, and as much as I liked Ben Bishop, Ben Bishop is not Andre Vasilevsky. Um, so I think it's just, again, drafting uh, and developing their players, specifically, you know, guys that were on the roster at the time. Kucherov, uh, Vasi was the backup, so the development of him to become a starter. Um, the development, continued development of Hedman to become a perennial Norris Trophy uh, contender. Um, so, yeah, player development and continued good drafting uh, was the biggest reason um, for, you know, what they are now. 
as the GM of Chicago in our little project that you do every year with the mock draft, with one of the two picks, I took second best Jack Hughes. What do you think of the Northeastern kid? I like Jack Hughes. Uh, I think he brings a lot to the table. Um, he's one of the more underrated guys uh, for sure. Um, but again, it's the same thing with Jack Devine. And Jack Devine uh, plays for Denver. He won you know, the national title. Um, I feel like just NCAA kids get overlooked a little bit because you know, they're not playing a whole lot of minutes um, compared to you know, the, the seniors and the upperclassmen um, that are on the team. So I think you know, next year, very well could be Jack Hughes' coming out party and a lot of teams uh, could look very, very stupid. Um, I wouldn't say Jack Hughes you know, is a, you know, a top 30 prospect um you know i don't see him as a first round talent um I, but i definitely see him early second mid early to mid second round uh talent in terms of value but when i look at jack hughes i see a guy who could be a middle six player in the future um maybe 40 50 points if i were to put a projection on it um 30 points as like a safe bet um but yeah it, jack hughes is is definitely one of the more overlooked prospects in the class uh, simply because he plays at a higher level than most kids. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a good pick, where you took him especially. Uh, I know some kids in the in – the, or not some kids, but some of the guys in the Zoom um, thought there were better players available. Um, deep down, I disagree. I think he brings a lot of value to the table, some good upside, and uh, he's already playing in the NCAA, so he'll come with a little bit more experience, an extra year um, of development, essentially. Um, so I think he'll be, he'll be a good player. Um, I see him making it to the NHL one day. Um, where do you think that the Tampa Bay Lightning goaltending stands after Vasilevsky? Like, if something were to happen to him going down, like, if Vasilevsky is a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Um, me and Vinny talk about it all the time, how, how we just think so highly of him and how great he is. But I feel like if he goes down, something happen for like long term, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning may be screwed because I don't think that a goalie could come in and live up to what he's been doing so far i mean it's just not it's just what best he has done is just can't be matched that easily yeah absolutely not and um you know they really only have one i would say top prospect uh for goalies and that's uh hugo Almafel, um who was a big fan of uh in his draft year which i believe was 2019 um 2018 or 2019 i can't remember off the top of my head um but he's a really good goaltending prospect who has struggled um, you know, over the last couple of years in the AHL with Syracuse, he's had a couple of ECHL stints as well. Um, and while I do like Hugo Allenfeld's upside, I still think he could be, you know, at least a backup to the NHL level. Um, it's definitely hard to, to see anybody um, replacing him from the system now. Um, and it's hard to see any goalie that they could draft in the next couple of years being anything close as good as Vasilevsky. Um, thankfully, Lightning fans don't have to worry about that for, for a good while, hopefully barring anything completely unforeseen. One prospect that I believe we definitely drafted the first year we did the mock draft. I don't remember who controlled Minnesota at the time. It was actually probably Freddie, if I had to guess. Yeah. He, he likes to do the wild. Um, I want to get him on this show, too. I, he has an interesting perspective as well. But um, Matthew Boldy, I really enjoyed watching him play, and obviously being from Boston, I'm sure you know all about Matthew Boldy well, and a prospects guy yourself. What do you think of what he did for the Minnesota Wild this year? And do you think he can join Kaprizov and, you know, all the stuff they got going on there to really help the Wild get to that next step? It's going to be hard with the Parisi and Suter cap hits for the next two years. But after that, I think they have a chance to be a really, really good team. 
Yeah, Boldy's one of those guys that I, I don't know if Boldy will ever be an elite player like a Capri, like a Kaprizov. Um, I just don't see that happening. Uh, and that's not to say, you know, taking anything away from Boldy. I think he's a really, really good player in his own right. And we saw that again, you know, this year with the way he played. But the, the, the Wild have drafted so well. Marco Rossi, um, as you mentioned, Kaprizov, getting him uh, to the NHL. Um, you know, they have a really good young team. Boldy's a piece of that. I think he's more going to be more of a complimentary piece. I don't see him taking the lead. Obviously, Kaprizov is going to be that for a while. Marco Rossi could definitely develop into that as well. Um, but paired with those guys, he could be an outstanding player at the NHL level. Um, and I think down the down the line, uh, Minnesota could definitely be Stanley Cup contenders. Um, the one area that I'm concerned for, for Minnesota right now is goaltending. Um, so, again, they have a few prospects there. Don't know, you know, the extent of, of what they'll develop into. Um, but if they can get a good goalie, I think they have all the pieces to, to really develop into a Stanley Cup contender within the next five years. I was with Vinny yesterday when the NHL awards were going on. And so we got to see some of the awards together. Um, and one award that really shocked me, and I don't know, it might have shocked Vinny. We'll talk about it later on, but I want to get your opinion on the Morris Trophy. And I thought that um, Roman Yossi was robbed of it. I wouldn't say Roman Yossi was robbed of it uh, necessarily. Um, what Kale McCarr's done um, at both uh, at both ends of the ice, as I mentioned, the Connor McDavid, uh, the series against Connor McDavid, where he shut down McDavid skating backwards just as fast as he can skate forwards. Um, I think McCarr brings a little bit more to the defensive end of the ice uh, than Yossi does. Um, but I think another part of it is Yossi just plays in a smaller market. Um, unfortunately, that's just how the game goes. And um, I wouldn't say Yossi got necessarily got robbed of it. I think his time will eventually come. Um, he's he's such a good defenseman, and uh, I he'll win a Nor he'll ha he has to win a Norris Trophy, despite all the really good young defensemen. Um, but I think definitely Kale McCarr deserved it this year. Just things that he did offensively, the things that he did on the defensive end of the ice, transitionally, the way he impacts the game just by skating the puck as well and his puck control. Um, he's I would say a once in a lifetime player. Uh, as Vinny mentioned, Bobby Orr is another one of those guys. I think Kale McCarr is just a generational talent. Um, he, in my opinion, he was my favorite for the Norris Trophy. As much as I like Yossi, um, I had Kale McCarr taking that as well. Should I be excited or worried about Alexander Holtz as a New Jersey Devils fan? So I really liked Holtz, um, but he's very one-dimensional. And if he can't figure out the playmaking aspect, um, and not just the playmaking aspect, but also the hockey sense, um, picking his spots. I don't know if he'll make it to the NHL. It's really, really tough to project guys like that where he's a pure goal scorer, but doesn't bring a lot of the other elements at a high level to the table. Um, so I, I wouldn't be too concerned yet. He's still very, very young, and uh, he's in the AHL, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yep, yep. He made yeah. his NHL debut, but it, he, didn't, he didn't have the impact that a Nolan Foote or a Nikita Ahotuk or – you know, some of the other forwards and defensemen that the Devils called up towards the end of the season, Holtz probably had the least impact despite having probably the highest pedigree. Yeah, he definitely has the highest ceiling. If he can figure it out, he'd be better than all the guys that you listed, especially Nolan Foote, someone I'm very familiar with. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, so for me, Holtz, if he can figure it out, like I said, put the pieces together uh, with his hockey sense, with his playmaking abilities, um, with his puck skills just in general, further you know, developing that aspect in his defensive game as well. That's probably the biggest area of weakness uh, in Holtz's game is the defensive end as well. Um, if he can figure that out, even if he's slightly below average defensively, that won't be that big of a deal, like a Kucherov kind of impact in the defensive end. 
Um, that won't hurt him too bad. As long as his offense, he can put the pieces together, he'll be a 30-goal scorer at the NHL level. But he definitely has quite a lot to do before he can take that next step, for sure. Sure. Yeah, you said you were from uh, Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Boston or just a little town somewhere in Massachusetts? I'm about an hour away from Boston, from where I live. So what is you got a soft spot for the Bruins, or what makes you so infatuated with the Tampa Bay Lightning? It's so it's a funny story. Uh, I was always a Bruins fan. Um, started paying more attention to hockey in 2011 when they won the cup um, because you know the hometown team won. Um, but as I got older, there was a site called Puck 77. I don't know if Vinny's familiar with Puck 77. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, when I joined them, they had two other Boston Bruins writers, and Josh Tesler, who's massive now, uh, was the head of it. And he said, "Listen, we have these teams." You know, is there anyone you were interested in writing? And I said, dude, it doesn't matter to me. Like, give me anything. He goes, all right, I'll give you the lightning. I think this was um, a year after they won the cup or two years after they won the cup. I can't remember time or not won the cup, went to the cup finals uh, in 2015. Um, so they were a young team. They went to the cup finals recently. They had a couple deep runs. So I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll try that out. I'll, I'll see what I can do with the lightning and wrote for them for a little while. And when I started writing for them, uh, it was my friends initially uh, who would always give me crap for it. You know, they'd be like, oh, you're writing for another team. Like, you're such a traitor. And, like, whenever the Lightning would lose, even though I didn't really care for the Lightning that much, they'd be like, oh, wow, look at that. The Lightning lost to the Bruins last night and just giving it to me. So I'm like, you know what? When the when the Lightning beat the Bruins, I'm going to give it right back. And it developed into me wanting to learn more about the Lightning so that if anyone asks me a question to think, oh, he's a bandwagon, I'll have information to back up with that. Like, no, I'm not a bandwagon because of this. Um, and then it developed into me genuinely, you know, falling in love with the team. Um, Stamkos, obviously, he's one of the hardest players to not like. Uh, Hedman's another one of those guys, such a really great talent. So I really, really liked to fall for the Lightning uh, at that point. And it was definitely because of those friends that kind of just pushed me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the reason behind it for sure. I love that story. I live in Chicago, and I'm a diehard New Jersey Devils fan. So I know what you deal with. And it's a little different because they're not division rivals. They play each other twice a year. But I totally get where you're coming from there. But are the Bruins cooked? <laughs> I would say so, yeah. Um, that Cassidy was a really good coach, uh, really well liked in the locker room as well from everything I hear. Yes, he's a bit more of a um, no BS like guy. He'll say what's on his mind right then and there. And I'm sure that rubbed it the wrong way uh, for some players, um, which can be a concern. But the Bruins are finding success under Cassidy ever since Julian left. Um, but now that he's gone, I heard, I think Pashanak wants to leave because Cassidy's gone. He had a really good relationship with Cassidy. That's a big, big thing that developed with, you know, his contract coming up at the end of next season. Uh, he could go. Uh, then you have the whole Bergeron situation. Is he going to retire? Is he going to stay? Um, that's another big question mark for the Bruins. If he leaves and Pashanak ends up getting traded, Marshawn, uh, I believe Marshawn, uh, McAvoy, and Grizzlick. Yeah they're all not going to be able to start the season. So it's it's not looking good right now for the Bruins. And one of my buddies who's a big Bruins fan talked about it before. He's like, once the Bruins aren't play a playoff team anymore, we're going to be in the basement. We're going to be the new Senators or the new Sabres. Like that's the kind of future that the Bruins have for the next couple of years. Uh, and I don't trust Sweeney with his drafting at all as either. So uh, it's yeah. going to be – Tough sledding for sure for the Bruins. That's totally fair. And I think Cassidy's going to be a great fit in Vegas because it'll only be a short term thing and they have a short term roster. But I agree, the Bruins, 
they're going to like the Penguins are headed for that fate too, and probably Washington. We saw Chicago dealing with it still. I mean, theirs is lasting a little longer than it should have because of Stan Bowman's incompetence. But I'm with you, Kyle. Yeah, and the Lightning will be right there with them too. Uh, when Vasi goes, yeah, probably when Kucherov and Stamco start falling off a cliff, and they don't have first round picks in X amount of years in a row, like they already don't have theirs this year. Right? They don't have theirs this year? No, they have theirs this year. They don't yeah, have a second or third. Yeah, but the okay. year after, yeah. And the year after, and then the year after that. They both belong to the Blackhawks from the yep. Hagel trade. Yep. So it, it's coming. But it happens. You know, you sacrifice it for it's been whatever worth it. you got to get. It's definitely been worth it. It's the cycle yeah. of sports. It happens to every team. Yeah, no except for like forever. the Red Wings for the longest time. Like they figured out a way to – remain in the race for 25 years the patriots are now starting to feel it but you know it happens all across the you're right frank you have anything for kyle no i just um i've checked out a couple of your stuff on last word on hockey because i i read stuff on last word on tennis there's a whole bunch of different sites um so when Vinny told me we were interviewing you i i kind of checked out a couple of your things but yeah it, it was great having you on the show nice chatting with you um I, I really have nothing left. I love the story uh, about your backstory of Boston and now being a Lightning fan. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Kyle, give us your prediction on the rest of the series. Oh, so I'm a, I'm really superstitious. I hate you know predicting games and all right. I have you a, don't have to. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I, I I will say I think it's going to go seven. I think that's the most I'll say. But yeah, very superstitious. I have a very like strict thing that I follow every single game day. Like I have to do the same thing constantly. So yeah, okay. I won't right. I won't give a, a dead on prediction. But I, I'm I'll say it goes to seven. Okay, okay, and I, I know who you would predict in game seven. Uh, <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's all right. Um, make sure you follow at Pereira Report on Twitter. Pereira underscore report on Twitter. That's Kyle Pereira. He does outstanding work covering the Tampa Bay Lightning, the National Hockey League, the draft, which is just a couple of weeks away. We got big stuff going on with, with this guy covering the Lightning and me doing a team with the second overall pick. We're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But And then, you know, I got to do the Hawks too, and they have nothing in – they have dark times ahead for a long time. But make sure for positive note, you follow Kyle. Kyle, thank you very much for coming on our show. It's been a pleasure. I love doing these things. Absolutely. We will have you back on soon. Hopefully the next time you come back on, that team of yours is the three-time defending Stanley Cup champion. We hope to talk to you soon. We'll see. Hopefully it ends up like that. Absolutely. Everybody, we would like to send you to period number two. Welcome to period two, where we thank Kyle very much for coming on our show. Frank, what do you think? That was a lot of fun. Uh, I learned a lot about him. I'm glad that we didn't only get his opinion on the NHL, but we got a little backstory about him too. Um, I think the fans and the viewers really enjoyed that. Yeah, no doubt. Kyle knows his stuff. I say it all the time. I appreciate when I have people on my shows and they rival us with knowledge. And I feel that when I speak to Kyle. So very much appreciate him coming on. And, of course, Frank, he came on because his Lightning are in the Stanley Cup final where they trail the Colorado Avalanche 2-1. to one. What have you thought of the first three games? Um, You know, I'm not surprised that the Avalanche are up 2-1 to because I 
do think that the Colorado Avalanche are going to win the cup this year. I said, this is a performance we're seeing from a team that is like, they're above the NHL. Like they're that one step above. I don't know how to explain it without saying that, but scoring has not been at a premium. And I really didn't expect that to be the case for the Colorado Avalanche. Cause we talked about last week, how I think the biggest weakness that the Colorado Avalanche have versus the lightning is their goaltending. Um, I think the Lightning obviously have the clear edge. But what we've seen is like goals galore, where goals are supposed to be at a premium in the playoffs. But game one had seven goals. Game two had seven goals. Game three had eight goals. Uh, I really wasn't expecting that, even with Vasilevsky. I thought there'd be a couple low-scoring games. Um, but, yeah, I'm a little surprised at how the series has gone, but I'm not surprised that the Colorado Avalanche are up 2-1. to one. You are keeping your original prediction of the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup? Oh, yeah, and even more so now of what I've seen the Colorado do. I've seen that they're able to tear down Vasilevsky, what they did in game one. They weren't winning no two-to-one game. Sure, game one, they won four-to-three in overtime, but, I mean, they were able to score four on him, which not a lot of teams in this postseason have been able to do. So even more so now, I'm definitely sticking with the Colorado Avalanche. I respect it. I honestly think anybody who picked either way going into the series would be foolish to flip now because it is two to one. Like one of the two teams was going to be up two to one after three games. It happens to be the avalanche. I'm going to, I'll stick with my lightning prediction. Although I'm fully aware that the avalanche are perfectly capable of either running away with this thing or winning it in a close series. Like I, I am not, that's the, you know what I told you yesterday about the Vinnie Parisi guarantee the Rangers beating, um, what are they called in the second round? Game seven was a Vinnie Parisi guarantee. Hurricane. The Hurricanes, that was a Vinnie Parisi guarantee. The over in the White Sox game yesterday was a Vinnie Parisi guarantee. Tampa winning the cup is not a Vinnie Parisi guarantee. It is a very mild prediction because I recognize this is the Stanley Cup final and both of the two teams deserve to win and are good enough to win. Uh, I'll stick with the Lightning. They're down two to one. Part of me just thinks, like the reason I'm not going to flip I feel like I've seen this movie before. They went down 2 nothing on the road to the New York Rangers, and they went down 2 nothing on the road to the Colorado Avalanche. Now, the difference being the first game they lost was incredibly close. It was an overtime victory for the Colorado Avalanche on a great play by Valeri Nichuskin to find Burakovsky for a wide-open shot. But then game two, Colorado shit on them. I mean – I don't know another way to put it. I mean, they shit on them. And then they came out firing in game number three. But Tampa Bay, they got it going. And then they ended up scoring however many in a row and winning the game by a final score of 6-2. to two. It was just a really well-played game by Tampa. And I could see them recreating that at home. Then if Colorado wins game five, tied in a 2-2 series, could, you know, Tampa forced game seven by winning game six at home. I just think there are all sorts of different ways for this series to go and either team could come out either way, but so far it's been a wonderful final and I can't wait to see what comes next. Yeah. And you know, like I was, we were talking with Kyle, the Tampa Bay lightning's record at home this postseason is eight and one. It's like Vasilevsky is in a different mode at home. And especially what we talked about his record in clinching games and his goals against in clinching games, you'd, the Colorado Avalanche don't want to be in the predicament where the Lightning are up three to two, where they have a chance to clinch it in Game Six on the road. That's at what home, at home they would. Yeah, it. that's what would scare me if I'm Colorado. I, I like tonight's must win for Colorado. I think if Tampa wins tonight, I, I do think they're going to win the cup. I do. And if Colorado wins tonight, then I think they probably take the cup at home. What it would it be Friday? Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, tonight's game is huge. I cannot wait for it because Daddy Vasilevsky at home and Daddy Vasilevsky in clinching potential games, that's when he shines the most. It's been very exciting. Oh, yeah. I mean, the hockey's wonderful. Yeah, this sport is just oh, yeah. great stuff. Absolutely. Um, so that's the Stanley Cup final. It's been really, really good so far. Uh, I really like Kyle. Um, I've been I, – I never worked with him. You know Puck Pros? Mm-hmm. From fan-sided, he used to be the expert of them, that mm-hmm. website, and doing all NHL for um, puck pros, but then he moved over to Last Word on Hockey. I want to say it was during the pandemic or just after, but I've been doing that mock draft with him for a long time, for a long time, and he's introduced me to a bunch of other hockey people from not only around the country, but from around the world. There's this guy, Sam, who we draft with. He's from, uh, I be- he's from Slovakia. And his favorite team is the Toronto Maple Leafs because when you live in like a European country and you like hockey, you get to just decide whatever team you want. I don't know why you would choose Toronto. I mean, I like the Leafs, but I I like misery. But, you know, it just was an interesting choice. And then there was this other guy, Fred, Freddie. He roots for the Minnesota Wild. He's from Denmark. And these guys take big pride in guys coming from their country coming to play in the NHL and there's going to be a Slovakian pick in the top five this year. I think New Jersey's going to take him too. Um, Kyle has him at five, but he'll definitely be in that range. And so, yeah, I can't thank Kyle enough for helping introduce me to some hockey people around the world and doing that project. It's a lot of fun. You brought up the NHL awards to Kyle. And last night there were some surprises. There were some locks. Um, the first award that was announced was Detroit Red Wings defenseman Moritz Sider won the Calder Trophy as the NHL's top rookie. What do you think? I'm not surprised. We predicted it. I mean, this kid has been a great defenseman for the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, 50 points from a rookie defenseman, that's that's a premium. That's hard to come by, um, especially in today's NHL. The Red Wings finished eight games under 500. Um, and they only had six more points than the Blackhawks. It makes you think, like, where, where would they be without Cider? Who knows where they would have finished? I think he brings a different dynamic to this team. I think they're lucky to have this kid going forward in the near future, or the, the long-term future, I should say. Yeah, and you know what's funny to me about uh, Moritz Cider? He was taken sixth overall by the Detroit Red Wings, and people laughed hysterically at Steve Eiserman for making that draft selection. It was his first ever draft selection after becoming the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, moving over from those Tampa Bay Lightning, that Tampa Bay Lightning team that's trying to win its third straight cup, mainly because of the core put together by Steve Eisman. I'm talking Stamkos, Kucherov, Edmund, Vasilevsky, all brought in by Steve Eiserman. Now Julian Breezebois is a very good general manager as well who's taken over for – Steve Eisman and he made the Blake Coleman trade and the Barkley Goudreau trade and the uh, you know he got Braden Point extended and he got the trade done to bring in Hagel and Paul like Breezebois has done a great job replacing Steve Eisman but the core is in place because of him and now he's doing it to Detroit and Cider's just wonderful. I uh, what is a Vinny Parisi guarantee? The Detroit Red Wings will win the Stanley Cup in a year that starts with two zero two. Wow. I, I wholeheartedly believe that that team is coming and they are coming fast. Dylan Larkin is like a savvy vet now. Uh, they have Moritz Sider. They have Lucas Raymond. They have Philip Zadina. Um, 
Tyler Bertuzzi's awesome. Like there are just so many good players there. Nadalkovich is a young goalie who's entering a third year. He's really good. I like what Detroit's doing, and Moritz Sider's near the top of the list. I'm happy he won the Calder Trophy. It's a bold prediction that you think they're going to win it within the next seven years. Yeah, because I think Steve Eiserman is like one of those general managers that he like builds the core and develops it and doesn't care how long it takes. Like you saw it with Tampa. They got to the final, but as Kyle mentioned, their defense wasn't all that good. Okay, well, you got to the final with that mediocre defense. Obviously, Hedman and Strawman were a pretty good top pair, but beyond that, it wasn't what it is today. So what does he do that summer? He goes out and he trades Jonathan Drewen for Mikhail Sergachev, a top forward that a lot of people loved and had faith in. He went out and traded him for a number two type defenseman. Okay, he made the trade. He traded Vladislav Nemesnikov, who was having a career year with Steven Stamkos, on, uh, playing on that line with Kucherov. It was the year Kucherov had a billion points. They traded him for McDonough, and they got McDonough and brought him in. And finding guys like Ross Colton and stuff like that's what Tampa does. And I believe Detroit is on the path to becoming one of those teams. And I have no reason to doubt Steve Eisenman whatsoever. He's just so maniacal with the way that he's a GM. Maniacal is normally a word to describe like players. I don't know if there's another GM in the league that's maniacal quite like Steve Eisenman. I mean, he's just picking, picking and choosing like his little things. He's almost like Bill. He reminds me of Bill Belichick in a way, except Bill Belichick, he's an overrated GM because of how good of a coach he is. But, you know, there there are some GMs around sports that are just so much smarter than everybody else, and Iserman's one of those. For me, Moritz Sider's proof of it. Calder Trophy winner. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just – I get what you're saying. It's just so hard to win a Stanley Cup in the NHL. Um, I mean, some guys go their whole career without winning a Stanley Cup. Alex Ovechkin almost won his whole career without winning a Stanley Cup, and he might not ever get a second one. And I just think with the, how young they are and just how far they still have to go, we'll have to see, I mean, how they develop and where they're headed. Um, they're just so far out of the playoffs this year. Um, I know they don't have the, the pieces yet, obviously, to get there. And the East was locked up way too early, in my opinion. But I don't know. It's just it's hard to predict that. Yeah, I don't know if next year – I mean, I got eight years to be right on this prediction – I don't know if next year is the year they make the playoffs. And listen, if that's not at the end of the 20, they will win the cup with Iserman in this core that they're building, even if it's 2030 or 31. I believe in that team and what they're building. I love what they're building, actually. Um, the Bruins are going to fall off. They might not be down for very long because the Bruins have a long history of like not really rebuilding and kind of building themselves quickly. Like I don't think the Bruins are going to be down and out for too long, but that's a potential playoff spot opening up. Uh, I think Pittsburgh has – if Evgeny Malkin and Christopher Letang both leave this summer, that's Crosby, Gensel, and Jari. You know, three all-star type players, but the team's depth takes a legitimate hit there. Washington, who knows how long they have left. Are the Rangers going to be good if Panarin and Kreider and Zabanajad start to fall off in their 30s because they're young guys outside of Fox and Chesterkin stink? That could be a playoff spot that opens up. I like the Islanders to get back in the mix next year, to be honest with you. New Jersey's coming too, and so is Ottawa. But um, the Leafs, they'll probably be there. Florida, they just hired a new coach. Okay, so we don't know how they're going to do You know, in the long term. I like their roster right now, but with their new coach, and it just seems like things are always fluctuating there. They never seem to really make the right decisions in the long-term scheme. 
But and there's oh the lightning. Even Kyle admitted they're probably going to start to stink in a couple of years. No first round picks for many years in a row. Like I don't know. There's room for Detroit to ascend as some of these top teams for the last ten years. Paul, I think they're timing it right. But like I said, congrats to Moritz Steider. Yeah. And another defenseman that we like to talk about on this show is Kale McCarr. I do believe Kale McCarr is one of the most skilled defensemen I've ever seen. He's almost like if McDavid played defense in terms of his skating and using his speed to play defense and generate offense from the back end. He won the Norris Trophy. He had 10 less points than Roman Yossi, and I think that's what me and you kind of used to pick Yossi. But then when you go back and look at some of the stats, I was doing it last night, and all of McCarr's metrics and ability to play defense, the numbers that quantify that, they all kind of dummied Yossi. And when you look at it like that, it's like, well, it's really not much of a shock that he won the Norris Trophy after looking at it this way. But at the same time, Yossi had more votes for first place by two. 98 people voted for Yossi to win the Norris Trophy. 96 voted for Makar. But the second, third, fourth place obviously favored Makar, and he takes home the trophy. He's one of the best defensemen in the league, if not the best defenseman. What do you think? Um, I'm going to stick by my opinion, and I, I honestly think Yossi got robbed, um, just given on how well he did. I mean, would I prefer Makar on my team? Yeah. Is Makar the better overall defenseman? Yeah. But Yossi had 96 points. He had a career season like no other, and I don't think that Yossi's going to be able to put up a performance like that again. And he's 32 years old. He's not getting any younger. Makar's going to be a contender for the Norris every single year going forward he's only going to get better as he gets older he's not even in his prime yet um i just i am shocked that roman yossi didn't win this thing i think it was a wasted opportunity honestly uh i don't think yossi's going to have this opportunity to win a norse again honestly i think this was it we're not going to see a performance like this out of him again 96 points is tough to come by yeah, yeah. I tweeted yesterday that Kill McCarr deserved it, although I would have voted for Yossi. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, they both no, deserve they, it. They both deserve it. And like I said, McCarr's the better overall player, defenseman, whatever. I'd rather have him. But Yossi did something spectacular this year that I don't think he's ever going to be able to do again. And McCarr's going to be around a lot longer than Yossi is. Yossi's 32 years old. I think it's just a wasted opportunity. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I don't know about 96 points again for Yossi, but I do think he can win the Norris Trophy. I, I do kind of think he has potential to win one because the Norris Trophy, unlike every other trophy, they, they almost seem to like make sure all the top guys get their one. Like the one year Drew Doughty won it, it was almost like, hey, you haven't had yours yet. Keith has his. Eric Carlson has his. Zdeno Chara has his. Shea Weber has his. All right. It's Doughty's turn. Like he's one of the best defensemen of this generation. It just feels like that sometimes. I know that's probably not like actually true. But Yossi's one of the best defensemen of this generation, and Nashville just keeps pumping them out too because just no matter what, they always seem to have one of those but top if guys. what you're saying is true and they want to give everybody that's a top defenseman, then this would be the year for Yossi. Yeah, that's I fair. McCarr's got how many years left? It's his first year. He'll win two more minimum. For second year, right? This is his second year? Second year, yeah. He'll yeah, win two more year. minimum. That's what I'm saying. Yossi's not going to win two more. That's why this was the perfect opportunity to give it to Yossi because we know how good McCarr is going to be going forward. Yeah. That's why I was honestly stunned. Did, did I mean, you hear what I said, though, about the voting? Yeah, and I, I think 
obviously that's why it's because you said the second, third place, because if I was voting, McCarr would have got my second place vote. So, yeah. So you would have given McCarr four points instead of five. Right. But I just don't know why more people didn't give Yossi five and the people who didn't vote for Yossi in second, who are they voting for? Who was the third nominee? Um, third nominee, third nominee was, was it Victor Hedman? Victor Hedman. I see. I would never have put Hedman second. Yeah, I believe McAvoy came in fourth and Fox came in fifth. So where are all these votes going? I don't understand that. It should have been one, two clear Here, as day. I can pull it up for you really quick if you'd like. Well, it, yeah, because you said 98 for first for Yossi and 96 for McCarr. So I'm just confused on where these second and third place votes are going to because it should have been it should have been first and second McCarr and Yossi no matter what. And then third, fourth, fifth, you could do what you want with it. That's why I'm just confused who these other guys are voting for second place. It shouldn't have yeah. been close. Yossi deserves second if it wasn't first. So I want to know where these other votes are landing. I completely understand. McCarr was... McCarr was named on 195 ballots and Yossi was named on 194. There was one writer who left Yossi off their ballot completely. Like How many points five. did McCarr win it by? Do you know? Like votes? Barely. Okay. McCarr came in first with 1,631 points. Mm-hmm. Yossi came in second with 1,606 points. So 25 points? Yeah, okay. The reason Makar won, he had Makar won Makar had 92 first place votes and 98 second place votes. Yeah, how many did Yossi have? 90 How many second place votes did he have? Yossi had 98 first place votes and 76 second place votes. See, I don't understand that. There were a lot of second place votes to Hedman. Hedman Hedman got 142 third place votes. Um that I understand, but why would Hedman have more second place votes? That, I have that, not, yeah, that's like I disrespecting know. Yossi. Like if Yossi's not going to win it, you at least got to give him number two. Yeah. I mean, people have different criteria for why they vote. The only other person – oh, Hedman also got four first-place votes. Um, McAvoy, McAvoy got one first-place vote. And then Fox came in fifth. He had no first or seconds before third-place votes, 61 fourth-place votes, and 45 fifth-place votes. Um Ekblad, Latang, Devin Taves, Jakob Slavin, John Carlson, Morgan Riley, Miro Heiskanen, Quinton Hughes, Mackenzie Wieger all came in the top 14. And then Justin Falk, that, that's wild to me. Justin Falk, Alex Patrangelo, Jared Spurgeon, and Christopher Tanev all each had one fifth place vote to earn one point towards the Norris Trophy. It's like some of these votes are just wasted. Yeah. I mean – a lot of times writers, they make – and this is why I think there's obviously flaws to every trophy. I think they got every trophy right except this one, like in terms of how I would have voted. Yeah. Um, guy, they'll, Writers will give like the top three votes to the guys who deserve it. Like let's say, okay, you go Makar, Yossi, Hedman. And then fourth and fifth, you'll give a nod to a guy on the team you cover – to like get some recognition that you think deserves. Like if you're covering, if you're covering the New Jersey Devils, right? And Dougie Hamilton had a pretty good year, right? And you want him his name to at least appear on the ballot. You would vote for, you know, Makar, Yossi, Hedman, and then in fourth place you'd give Dougie Hamilton the vote. Yeah, and I get then, what you're saying. 
you know, that that's how that stuff comes about. Which, like, which that's not terrible. No, exactly. That doesn't make the biggest difference. But when you got like people voting for Hedman over Yossi, when Yossi could be one, but now you're picking Yossi as three, that to me doesn't make sense. I need to know like their logic on why they chose that. Yeah, some of the writers, they put out their ballots and they explain why they did it. So um, Tom Mingarelli wants to know, did Joey vote for McAvoy? Uh, I actually, if I had to guess, Joey's ballot would have went Makar because Joey loves Makar. Yeah. And I, I'll hear an argument for Makar to win the Norris Trophy. I mean, he did win the damn thing. If well, yeah, say, I'm not saying. I mean, if you say Makar or Yossi, I'll agree with you. If you say anybody else, I'll probably argue with you. One of those two deserved to win it. But if I had to guess Joey's ballot, he would have voted Makar, Yosti, McAvoy, Hedman, Fox. That, <laughs> that would have been Joey's ballot if I had to guess. We can we can ask him, you know, based on what he thinks it is. We'll we'll get that. Um, but yeah, what do you, you got? Anything else left on the Norris Trophy? I just think this was the one trophy that I disagreed with the whole time. I have nothing else to say about it. I'm 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 upset about it, honestly. That's fair. The biggest lock of a trophy this year was the Vezina Trophy. Normally, there's arguments to be had on all the awards, including the Vezina Trophy. But when you have a guy who's so good at playing goalie in any given year that he's also nominated for the Hart Trophy as the league's uh, most valuable player to his team, I the Vesna becomes a no-brainer because Igor Shesterkin of the New York Rangers was nominated for the Hart Trophy. Breaking news, spoiler alert, whatever you want to say. He didn't win it, but he came in third, and he came in first for – the Vezina Trophy, and I, it really wasn't even close. I can get the standings for you. He won the Vezina Trophy with 154 points. Second place was Jakob Markstrom of the Calgary Flames with 53 points, and then in third place was UC Saros of the Nashville Predators with 32 points. Freddie Anderson, Andre Vasilevsky, Ilya Sorokin, Thatcher Demko, Ville Husso, and Tristan Jari also received votes on the ballot, but he had a hundred more points than the second place guy, Shesterk, and it was so obvious. Oh yeah, no surprises here. Easiest prediction of the decade. I mean, there's not much to say. He had 36 wins, 207 goals against, and a 935 save percentage. This dude was lights out, scary to play against him in the regular season. And I think every NHL fan in the entire world saw this coming. I agree. Now, there's something here that kind of pisses me off as a hockey writer myself. Igor Shesterkin received 29 first-place votes, three second-place votes, and zero third-place votes, right? And he won this award in a landslide. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, second-place Markstrom, third-place Saros, neither of them got a first-place vote, right? Mm -hmm. But fourth-place Freddie Anderson, fifth-place Andre Vasilevsky, and sixth place Ilya Sorokin all got one vote to win the Vezina Trophy. Yeah, that's wild. What the fuck are we talking about? So I'm telling you, this voting could be really weird sometimes. That's what I'm saying. My goal in life is to get a vote for the Hart Trophy. I've wanted a vote for the Hart Trophy and the Cy Young in the American League my whole life. The fact that I have a colleague that has one of those, Robert Murray of Fansided. Thank you for your help on Monday, Robert. Um, they 
he has a vote for the NL Cy Young, I think, or AL Cy Young. He's got one of the Cy Youngs. And the fact that I, I believe I can reach that apex, I want to vote for some of these awards because I'm sick and tired of bullshit. But the right guy won, so I guess at the end of the day it doesn't matter. But I would have I would have had Vasilevsky second and either Saros or Markstrom third. But, I think you know third when we yeah. talked about it, Vasilevsky. You know what, though? The, the thing Markstrom deserves respect – those shutouts, man. Those shutouts are not easy. Okay, Broder is the all-time leader in shutouts with like 130-something. Like, that's not even really a lot when you play a 1,000 games. Mm-hmm. No, way more than that. So, like, I don't know. The, sh- the shutout statistic definitely worked in Markstrom's favor this year. I'm happy for him that he had a good year, and I'm excited to watch Calgary play next season. Oh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Our guy, Pablo. He had the biggest night of any player at the NHL Awards yesterday. Um, First, it started with the Ted Lindsay Award. Austin Matthews won it. And that is the uh, most outstanding player in the NHL as voted by his peers. So the NHL players vote for the Ted Lindsay Award winner. And I've heard from reliable people that players value the Ted Lindsay award more than the Hart trophy, even though the Hart trophy goes to the MVP of the league, just because guys would rather have like Matthews would rather have the respect of a Taves and a Kane than like Vinnie Parisi from fan sided or Scott powers from the athletic or John Bucci-Gras of ESPN. You know, what do our opinions matter from our couch? You know, some guys value that more, but the Ted Lindsay Award does go to Matthews. I thought it was going to be McDavid just because I think McDavid should win it every year. McDavid is the best player in the NHL. He is the most outstanding player, but I'm not a player. Austin Matthews won it. He scored 60 goals. He also deserves it. Yeah, you know, see, this one I'm not mad about like I am the Norris because I'm pretty sure I thought it was McDavid too, but I'm fine with Matthews winning because Matthews deserved it with the performance he had. Um, Vin, you said something that I think nailed it. I was stewing on this thought process on why Matthews won the Ted Lindsay Award. And you said McDavid could have won it because he could win it every year because he's outstanding. And he had 123 points, which is outstanding. But here's where I think the thought process was on why he won the Ted Lindsay Award, Matthews. Um, we've seen plenty of NHL players break 100 points. We know McDavid could do it every year. But 60 goals from Austin Matthews is something on the more rare side. We've only seen it – I can count on my hand how many times we've seen it um, in our lifetime. Um, it's just something that's a lot more rare. If any other player were to get 123 points, then maybe – they would have won. Like if we had a shot in the dark, uh, just somebody came out of nowhere and had 123 points, 44 goals like McDavid did, 79 assists, even 80 assists, whatever you, you have it at, I think then they maybe have won the heart. But I think just because they could expect McDavid to put up a performance like he did each and every year, they know he's worthy of the uh, Ted Lindsay next year or the year after. So I think giving it to Austin Matthews at the end of the at the end of the day for a 60 goal performance, maybe was the right call. I completely agree. Um, I didn't, I wouldn't have hated it. Um, if either guy won it. So, you know, they're the two best players in the NHL right now. Do you agree with what I said though? Like if somebody just out of the ordinary, like a top guy, like one of their top guys. Yeah. had 123 points. Yeah. Probably would have won the Ted Lindsay. A hundred percent. Yeah. 
But, but I think because it was McDavid and they know what he could do, they're like, all right, we'll just get him next year. If he yeah, well, there, it seems like when the Hart Trophy winner is because he's the most outstanding or the most valuable player to his team, McDavid still could win it because he was the most outstanding player. For example, in 2018, Taylor Hall won the MVP with the New Jersey Devils. He was the Hart Trophy winner. But McDavid still won the Ted Lindsay Award. Hall wasn't even nominated. I believe it was McDavid, McKinnon, and Kane that were nominated for the award that year because they were the most outstanding players, but they weren't the most valuable to their team. It's all it's all a bunch of basically BS on how you word it, but Austin Matthews takes it this year, and of course he took home the Hart Trophy as the most valuable player to his team. That's the big one. That's the one that carries the most weight in terms of like Hall of Fame resumes and stuff like that, and you know, Matthews deserved that more than McDavid to me this season. Um, I think McDavid is a more outstanding player generally, but Matthews is right there. There were points this season where I said Matthews was better. I I, I do think Matthews is closer to McDavid than people give him credit for. Um, just the way they play is a little bit different. Matthews, it's all about the shot and creating space and bringing his wrists together to get off that lethal shot is quicker quicker than any player in NHL history probably ever has. I do think Ovechkin's going to break Gretzky's goal record, and then I think Matthews has a chance to break his as long as he's healthy. Like He is on that pace. All you got to do is go to HockeyReference.com and take the number of goals that Austin Matthews has scored, divide it by the number of games that Austin Matthews has played, and multiply it by the amount of games that Alexander Ovechkin has played, and you will have a higher number. That's the only reason I think that, and – the, the way he scores to me isn't going away because unlike McDavid, Austin Matthews doesn't use his speed. Like he, he's not slow, but his entire game isn't revolved around speed. It's around uh, skill and finesse and the shot. To me, the shot is everything. And that's not going away anytime soon. So I'm happy he won the hard trophy. I know you probably agree with that. Yeah. Um, the first time you ever asked me on the show, who's going to win the heart? I said, Austin Matthews. And you asked us many more times after that. And I never strayed away. I always said Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews. I knew he was going to win it. Just you could tell when somebody's going to like him is going to be the most valuable player to their team. And the Leafs were one of four teams in the league who had above 700 win percentage. Take Austin Matthews off that team. They're nowhere near winning 70% of their games. He's just such an important asset to the team, contributing 60 goals on top of it too. 60 goals for any team is a huge boost. Imagine if the Hawks would have had 60 extra goals this year on their team, what that would have done for them. Um, I think they got it right, and he's very deserving, and I'm happy that he took it home. Absolutely. So credit to Pablo for taking home those two awards. He's definitely – he's a top five most talked about player on this show, I would say. Good and bad. <laughs> what would you say? For good and bad reasons. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, we'll scream at each other about the Leafs next year. 2023 Stanley Cup champion Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's go Leafs. Um, I, I really like Matthews. Um, I remember listening to Bucci, who, hint, hint, soon, soon, doing Sports Center during the day during the Stanley Cup final. There were games landed on both Wednesdays during the final, so it kind of pushed Bucci off a little bit. But if you're watching this show, my promise to you, Bucci here soon. Um, we're, we're hopping in the DMs. Um, 
are, have already hopped in the DMs, I guess I should say, and have gotten responses, hint, hint. Um, but Bucci went on Spitting Chicklets a long time ago, and they asked him about Austin Matthews. It was his rookie year. And when Matthews was playing for Switzerland, Matthews has been a weirdo since even before he was drafted. Like, instead of playing college hockey or junior, he's like, ah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go play in the Swiss League. You could take me number one overall if you want. If you don't, you'll look dumb. I'm going to go play for the Swiss. And he goes over to Switzerland. College coaches go over there to watch him so they can get their scouting reports. If he were to play college hockey, I'm guessing either Arizona State or BU because he's from Arizona, so the hometown best team has to be in the mix. And then I would say um, either Den- Denver, I guess, could have been in the mix too because they're a top program close to home. But, you know, he didn't do any of that, so it's irrelevant. College coaches, though, Jonathan Taves, Jonathan Taves, Jonathan Taves, Austin Matthews is Jonathan Taves. Well, what was Jonathan Taves in his prime? Jonathan Taves in his prime was one of the greatest two-way forwards who ever lived. He never had 100 points. I think he cracked 80 once or twice. Like, he was never, like, one of those top offensive guys. But he's a gamer. He does what he needs to do to win. He is a winning type of player. Okay, but then he started to play a little bit in Switzerland Real looking real nice. The shot's good. Then he plays in the World Cup of Hockey and dominates on a line with McDavid. And Team North America went two and one, but the tiebreaker allowed Sweden to advance instead of them for some stupid ass reason. And they were actually probably the better team. Um, then people are saying, well, Austin Matthews is actually a mix of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane because he's so good defensively, but he's Patrick Kane. And then now we're looking. I actually see a mix when I watch him of Stamkos, Crosby, and Ovechkin. You know, those are the three players I see when I watch Austin Matthews. So after hearing Bucci talk about all that stuff when he was on Spitting Chicklets and just to see it come to life, and now he's a hard trophy winner, I'm excited to be alive at the same time as Austin Matthews. And it's probably not going to be the last time he wins a heart either. No, 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 no. Has McK- McKinnon came up just short to Hall? McKinnon will win one. McKinnon, McKinnon will get one. I think Austin Matthews and McDavid have a couple more in their future. Yeah, I it's agree. gonna be it's gonna be the battle of the. I think we're gonna have one there that's gonna just like be random too. We're gonna yeah, have a couple yeah, we're just gonna have like random off the board. Nobody's Jack gonna Hughes will be in the. Yeah, Jack Hughes will be in the mix. It'll be interesting to see if he can ever have a year where he like you can argue he deserves it over a McDavid or a Matthews because it's gonna be tough. But Kaner got one. Drysidel even got one. Playing on a team with – so, you know, I'm not ruling out Jack Hughes for that. But did you enjoy, outside of being pissed about the Norris Trophy, did you enjoy the awards and the winners and all that? Yeah. It's just that Norris Trophy one got a sour taste in my mouth. I understand. Well, that's the second period. We're going to have some fun. We'll, we'll talk a little more hockey in the third, but – because I have something I want to bring up. But, you know, we're going to have a little fun in the third period starting now. Welcome to period three. Let your hair down. Let's have some fun. You got something to say to me? You got something to say to me? Put it in the chat right now. You got something to say to Frankie? Put it in the chat right now. Frank, it is hot as fuck outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's killer. I'm sunburned a little bit. I got yeah. a lot of sun in my arms. My shoulders are well, a little sunburned. I could tell when I take a shower. 
Yeah, I was leaning towards coming over and having a pool party with you today and doing the show from outside. But I'm like, my neck, it's like, I kind of got to like shake that early summer like feeling on my skin. And then the rest of the summer, I'll be Mediterranean the rest of the time. It won't hurt again. But I think I needed a day of air conditioning after four straight days of the sun beating on my back. So, you know, it feels good to stay inside, go into a ball game later, uh, kids game. Um, and of course, watching the Stanley Cup final because I'm Vinny. But what's your favorite hot, like I'm talking like hot outside activity? Is the chalk answer just to say swimming? Yes, but it's the right answer. I was but hoping that's, you what that. that's what I'm going with is just swimming. We were in the pool yesterday when it felt like it was 104. I think I checked and it said it felt like 104. But when I was in the pool, it doesn't feel like it's 104. It's like you're fine. You could deal with the temperature. And I was lucky enough to grow up my entire life with a pool. And a lot of people aren't lucky enough to do that. And I think people who grow up with a pool appreciate the pool a little more less than people who don't grow up with a pool. Because um, there could be days where I could go a week without going in the pool. And I'm like, well, I've grown up with it. I don't need the pool. I, I experience it every year for the past 20-something years. Um, but people who don't have a pool, they enjoy it a lot more because, like, they didn't have the luxury of just going and walking into your backyard and jumping in the pool. But it, it's definitely one of my favorite hot activities to do. And saying anything otherwise is kind of a little bit shocking. But also one of the things I really like to do when it's really hot outside, but I don't want it overly, overly hot, but just, you know, a nice, nice day, nice hot day is fine. I like to play bags and I mean, I don't want it 99 degrees when I'm playing bags, but if, if it's, you know, high eighties, it, it's fine. It's not preferable, but it's fine. I like to just casually throw the bag. You could just drink, you know, you could have a beverage in your hand and have some snacks. It's just nice outdoor activities, stuff to do. I love the pool, okay? And I, I, I was hoping you would say the chalk answer because I like all sorts of different types of pool days too. Days like Father's Day when I was over and we were like in the pool and there were lots of people and we were playing games. Or a day like yesterday where I literally just sat along the side of the the edge there and I texting a little bit, writing some tweets, watching a little baseball. A nice chill day in the pool is really nice. Um I, I'm excited for the bags tournament because that's also a pool party. And if any of you scumbags in the league are watching this show right now but won't show yourself in the chat, just know I'm coming for you. We got a bunch of Kevin Durant, LeBron James ring chasers out there. I'm coming for that ass. I'm going to win it respectfully. I'm going to win it honestly. And none of you are, you know, a bunch of asterisks next to all of you. I swear this league. No integrity, no integrity whatsoever. Nobody respects themselves anymore. Sad. It's a sad state of affairs. What's going on in the bags tournament? Right. The now. league's crumbling. The league's crumbling, but I'm here to bring it back up. We got a bunch of softies, bunch of softies. No integrity. You a bunch of lemmings. Everybody's a lemming. Just do what they got to do to try and win instead of being an honest competitor. Lemmings. You're getting into this, huh? I'm telling you. I mean, I told you I'm going to win it this year, but that's beside the point. You will lose. What's your favorite food or drink when it's hot? Well, I just appreciate grill food more. Like anything I could throw on the grill, just because I think it tastes way better. Like, I, I'm not a hot dog guy. I mean, I'll eat them, 
But if I could have a grilled hot dog every once in a while, I'm not boiling a hot dog. I mean, it's not the same when you make it inside. It's just grill food or even snacks, stuff that I could just snack on. Because if I'm outside, I don't like to eat outside personally. I will suffice it or suffice is not the word, but I will You'll be okay it with it if you're at a party and you don't really have a choice. Um, but if anything, I can just snack and just like walk around or just like take a couple chips, play some bags, you know, have something by the pool just to relax. Uh, brats over hot dogs. Skylar says, absolutely. I'm a big brat guy. I'll take brats over. I'll take brats over sausage, brats over hot dogs. Brats are probably my number two. Burgers would be my number one. Um, and as far as, it's situational. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as far as a drink goes, I'm a big lemonade guy. I like lemonade. And I think the stereotype behind lemonade, you know, you see like kids selling it for a quarter lemonade stand, like that stereotype. It's like a real thing. Like it just tastes better when it's in the sun. I think when you're outside, want to need to cool off a nice cold glass of lemonade. There's a reason that it has that stereotype because it's, it's really good. Yeah, I want to address Skyler's comment. Uh, I think a grill, like a grill item on the patio, I would for sure say brats over hot dogs without question. I just, a, a hot dog at its best and a brat at its best, I think I would take the hot dog. Does that make sense? Like, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Like I don't Gene, agree with like that. Gene and Jude's, Gene and Jude's is one of my favorites. I love Gene and Jude's, right? Or Nana's. Those of you who live in the, Northwest suburbs. Nana's is on Barrington Road um, in Streamwood. It's like the Streamwood Hanover Park border-ish. Um, those to me are better than brats, but like a bad brat is better than a bad hot dog or like even a really good brat is better than a really good hot dog, but an elite hot dog is better than e an elite brat. I know that sounds crazy, but that's genuinely how I feel. I've never had a brat as good as a Gene and Jude hot dog but I've had most more good brats than good hot dogs. It's also very hard to mess up a hot dog. I've seen people microwave them and they're fine. Yeah. Like I got I like the Chicago styles, like with the celery salt and the, the onion, the relish, the mustard, like it's gotta be made that way for me to consider it to be better than a broth. Now a cheddar broth. That's, that's up there. It could be like, everything's better with cheddar. Johnsonville, not a sponsor, but if you want to, I will gladly eat some brats on this live stream. I'll eat brats on this live stream for free. As far as drinks, obviously beer. Beer's nice when it's really hot outside. I'm becoming a fan of like these canned, not seltzers. I, I actually had a couple too many seltzers Disgusting. earlier in life, and now I'm not the biggest fan of them anymore after loving them for a long time. Right now I'm really into canned like vodka sodas, like High Noon. High Noon is delicious. Black Cherry High Noon. It's vodka soda. A lot of people think High Noon is seltzer. They're wrong. Um, it's like a vodka soda with whatever type of flavor that you're craving. Black Cherry, lemon, or lime. They have a lemon one now. Watermelon is very popular. Peach, grapefruit, pineapple. Um, I really like those. And then, of course, Old Reliable. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, when it's hot, it's the best. Drinks get so hot. When it's this hot outside, though, like you got to drink it quickly or yeah, dude, get my water was just warm yesterday. Yeah, it's it disgusting. Was course, Ten minutes. Yeah, high quality H two O though. It, it, it's nice when it's hot. It's really nice when it's hot. You know who's really banking in the money? The people who make like the Tervis, um, yep. where your drinks stay cold in the heat. 
Yeah. Like you just pour your water bottle in there and you got nothing to worry about. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Skylar says, I understand. I prefer the flavor of brats over hot dogs in general, but you know, I'm there for a solid hot dog. That's exactly how I feel. A plain brat and a plain hot dog. Give me the brat. But like I said, when hot dogs are at their best, I think I would take it over a lot of different types of foods. So, you know, I like a Chicago style. Give me the relish, the sports peppers, the mustard, the uh, celery salt. It, it's outstanding. So, Frank, you started Game of Thrones. What of it? Yeah, we didn't watch any yesterday. We just watched the two that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it. Um, I don't even know like, how to explain it. It's not really slow. I didn't think there was anything slow about it. Maybe the stuff we'll see, this will be considered slow to the stuff we'd see so far, but – Normally, some shows start out like really, really slow, but this is fine. I enjoyed it. I'm starting to learn the characters. The more I talk about it with you or G, I start to like, you know, get a little more familiar with the characters, the storylines. Um, I'm preparing myself for things to get a little more confusing. I told you last week by this time I would have it watched. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I like it so far. I, I really haven't developed any attachment to any characters yet. That'll come. That comes with just about any show I watch. Yeah. I've I've always said Breaking Bad is Breaking Bad is Tom Brady. From beginning to end, it's better than everybody else. It is better than everybody else, and it's not close. But Game of Thrones is like Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers. Where like every now and then the talent takes over and they just look a little better for a one year span or a two year span, but like the overall um, resume, you would take Tom Brady. Uh, it's not close. He's the goat. Breaking Bad is the goat. Game of Thrones, the best of it is the best, and then the rest is like it's it's really good, but the end is like. <laughs> which Peyton Manning, the end of his career was. So it's actually quite an accurate analogy there. Um, Did you watch the final episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi? No, I didn't. I did not. I'm excited to. I didn't see people on Twitter saying it was pretty good, but that's just about it. I haven't seen anybody really freaking out like I thought they would be. I woke up to a text today that had Obi-Wan Kenobi in all capital letters with a thousand fire emojis. Wow. Yeah. And it was from somebody who doesn't overreact to stuff like that too often. Must be D. It's not D. It is not oh. D. I don't care what D thinks of Star Wars stuff. He didn't think that episode. He didn't think that episode where the third sister bowed down to Darth Vader was good. Just a complete moron. I don't care what he says about Star Wars stuff. I'm surprised. He's a hater. Um, He's a hater. I yeah, I really haven't seen anything about it though. I thought I'd see a lot more. I hope it's as good as I'm thinking it is. I don't want to set the bar too high. Because as a famous MJ and Spider-Man once said, if you expect disappointment, you'll never be disappointed. I wouldn't expect disappointment. There's one I'm thing I'm predicting. Disappointment. I'm just not expecting too much because I don't want to be disappointed. Yeah, for sure. There's one thing that I think is going to happen. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. I, I didn't see anything, but I have a feeling uh, – an old friend will make an appearance on the screen. Um, an old friend that if he if he finds you, he will kill you. Um, baseball is 
thoroughly underway. The White Sox are getting killed because Lucas Giolito decided to just become the worst pitcher in baseball in the month of June. And the Toronto Blue Jays are killing them, avoiding a White Sox sweep, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, the White Sox have – they've had a lot of success in the last couple weeks, and now they got four against the Baltimore Orioles coming up after this series with the um, Toronto Blue Jays. I will be at two of those four games, very much looking forward to it. And the reason I bring up baseball, it's not to point out that the Cubs are 0-3 in their last three games and being outscored 25-2 in those games. It's to point out that tomorrow I will be talking about both the Cubs and the White Sox on Crosstown Crosstalk right here on the Barroom Network. I have a very special guest. A couple nights ago, I was watching, I was alone and I was watching the White Sox play the Houston Astros, right? And I also was keeping an eye on the New York Mets because I don't, I like watching the Mets a little bit. And there are lots of teams I like watching a little bit and the Mets are one of them. Well, when the Mets won, I joined the Twitter space to talk with the official Mets account and about 500 other Mets fans. It got me a couple followers, and it was really nice. I brought up how well the Mets are doing, mostly without Scherzer so far this season, and they haven't had DeGrom at all. So if you add those two guys back to this Mets team, I think they're going to be really good, and that that's basically the talking point that I brought to the Mets. But you know, after that space ended and a couple days passed, I reached out to Mike Janella, who runs the Mets – Twitter spaces after the game, and he has agreed to come on our show tomorrow, Crosstown Crosstalk. So we will have a New York Mets segment for about 20 minutes with Mike, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. So make sure you are tuned in right back here on the Barroom Network to talk about, you know, Chicago White Sox trying to really get back in the groove of things. Um, the Chicago Cubs, what are they going to do? Where is Wilson Contreras going to go? how far can they take the losses this season? Are they going to have the number one overall pick? It'll certainly probably be top five in the 2023 MLB draft. The rebuild, there are some pieces there that can help them rebuild properly. I'll be getting into all of that tomorrow. I want to talk about the San Francisco Giants a little bit too. I like talking about that team. So make sure you tune in to that tomorrow. Frank, what is your favorite hockey story right now? I saw something that really surprised me. And um, it's that Matthews is only the second U.S. born player to win the Ted Lindsay and the Hart since Patrick Kane in 2016. That to me, that's a little shocking. I, I probably knew that Kane was the first to do it back when it happened, but I mean, since then, it really slipped my mind. And to know that Matthews has become the second, it's just the NHL has been around a very long time over 100 years. And for two, only two U.S. born players to win both trophies. And I, I assume they mean in the same year. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because yeah. that if it wasn't in this, that would just be even crazier. But yeah, in the same year. And not only that, but Matthews is also only the third Leaf to win the heart, which has been seventy years almost since the last Toronto Maple Leafs player to win the heart. Ted Kennedy did it in nineteen fifty five, and then Babe Pratt did it in nineteen forty four, which just shows you like how you are always saying like your hall. You're super high on this Toronto Maple Leafs team. It's the best Toronto Maple Leafs team we've seen in our lifetime. And I think this stat proves what you're saying because, like I said, it's almost been 70 years since um, a Toronto Maple Leaf player has won the heart. But that being said, I still think they, they're not the best, and I still think they're going to get bounced in the first round next year. You're a clown. Um, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
I'm going to go with a story that I was reading. I pulled it up just now. I found it earlier today on NHL's app, and it's about Logan Cooley. And he's obviously a top five prospect going into the 2022 NHL draft. He plays for the United States Development Program, and he is a Pittsburgh area native, right? He's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And if you're if you're 18 years old right now, and you grew up in the Pittsburgh era area, who's probably your favorite player? I'd say Crosby. Okay, who's Crosby's biggest rival in terms of like individual player? Ovechkin. Ovechkin. Logan Cooley started playing hockey because when he was five years old, he got on the ice in a rink in Pennsylvania, and there was Sidney Crosby. And this whole story goes over how he, he was inspired by Crosby and Ovechkin to play hockey, and now he's going to be a really, really high pick in the 2022 NHL draft. It's just a feel-good story about some of the greatest NHL players who ever lived. I have Crosby listed as the fourth best player who ever lived. And I would I would put Ovechkin in the top ten. I'm not even kidding. I think they are both that good. And to have two top ten NHL players all time be like the main reason you make it to the league and your inspiration, I just think it's really cool. So make sure you go to NHL.com and read the entire story. That is outstanding really stuff. Cool. Frank, what are you watching this weekend? Uh, well, I'm going to continue Game of Thrones, obviously like to wrap up this first season relatively quickly. Just get the first one under your belt. I'm going to watch the Obi-Wan finale. Super excited for that. That'll be done by tonight. I'm also going to watch episode three of Miss Marvel, which will also be done by tonight. I don't know how I feel about the series yet. I mean, it could grow on me as the series goes on. Um, I've seen good things. It's actually, I think what I heard is one of the least viewed Marvel TV shows right now. But a lot of people are enjoying it still, even though the ratings aren't the best. It's just a little weird. And you'll know when you start it, you'll know what I mean, because it's not what we're used to with these other series that we're, these other Marvel series that we're watching. Um, I got one arc left in Clone Wars Season 2, so I'll be finishing that up as well. And that just about has it, besides all the sports and the Stanley Cup Finals and baseball, you know, your typical stuff. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to run episode six is it of obi-wan probably today either today or tomorrow at some point um you know what movie i watched last night for the first time ever bridesmaids you ever seen bridesmaids i have not it's like a comedy chick flicky like you know romantic comedy really really good i enjoyed it a lot um we've been running the mcu movies as well obviously my favorite series of all time. Um, we just finished phase one. So um, that's how that goes. I'm trying to think of what else I'll be watching. I, I don't really, I'm not running any TV shows right now. Um, all the seasons are in between everything I think right now. Um, ooh, I like Real Housewives of Jersey. That's fun to watch. I'm running old episodes. I've watched the most recent season, but also running back some old ones so I can kind of like catch up and be in the know. And as you know, there's nothing better than a bunch of Italian women screaming at each other. It is just pure gold. I love every second of it. And as far as sports, Stanley cup final has a minimum of two games left, a maximum of 
four games left. And is it four? There's been yeah. three played. If they go seven, yeah, four, four, a maximum six, of four more left. And, you know, that'll have my heavy attention on game days. Obviously, the White Sox, the Cubs, Major League Baseball in general. That's where my heart is at right now. Football is close enough. It is coming fast. I'm excited. Better get that guillotine link going. I want to play. Yeah, we'll be doing the guillotine league, no doubt. If you want to be a part of the guillotine league, it is a fantasy football league where – 18 people play, one per week in the league, and whoever comes in dead last gets chopped, done, out, out of the league. See you later. See you next year, pal. And I did it last year. I got chopped in week 10. So I made it pretty far. I made it over half. But then Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, and, or yeah, and uh, he got hurt, and Matthew Stafford was on a bye, and – I came in last place and I had the high, the second highest average points per week. And you get a hundred free, you get a hundred fake dollars to spend on free agency. And I had the most money left. I was set up fat and I just got boned by Stafford's bye week. I just couldn't believe it. Huh? Just seems so much fun. It is fun. But once you're chopped, you're like, what the hell? So if you want to be a part of that, you know how to find me, Twitter text me like if you have my number facebook you, there are plenty of ways to get in touch with me if you want to be a part of the guillotine league i am looking for people starting now earlier today roger goodell gave like a press conference it almost looked like it was set up by the u.s government the way it was and somebody asked him okay sir you believe in the first amendment freedom of speech freedom of press freedom to gather and protest government yeah 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 i do all that yeah freedom of speech i'm in favor yeah sure then why do you ban Dave Portnoy from football games? <laughs> he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And so, of course, this clip is going viral. Dave posts pictures of Roger Goodell walking out into Gillette Stadium with every single person in the crowd wearing the clown T-shirts and you know all the things that make it so obvious that Goodell knows who Dave is, like him getting arrested on the spot at the Super Bowl, kicked out of media day. Uh, the picture of Big Cat, Hank, PFT, even Jared, who doesn't even like football, all you know on the band list, and then Roger Goodell's up there. Like, yeah, I don't know who he is. It's just so funny. I cannot wait for the NFL season. If you're not in on the drama, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you know, get in on the drama because this shit is about to go down. He's banned from every game, right? I don't know. Or just Patriots? I don't know. It was the Super Bowl. It was in freaking Miami, I think. Or is he just banned from like Super Bowl or like like big events? I I don't know. Can he go to I a mean, Patriots if he, game if he on went Sunday? To like a Bears game? Is he gonna? Are they gonna know? My like, guess is no. Field, uh... My guess is no. But he'll probably have three million Twitter followers by the time the football season starts. And word travels fast. If you tweet from your account, I'm gonna run on the field. You know, on game day, and you post a picture of your seat, you'll be kicked. They'll find you. They'll kick you out. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've heard horror stories of that shit happening. So it's honestly hilarious, and I can't wait for football. Oh, I forgot to ask Kyle a question about Tom Brady. Damn it. I meant to do that because I, I freeballed the interview with Kyle. I had nothing written down. It was just all stuff about I knew I was – anytime something popped in my head about the lightning or the 
the draft or, you know, something devil's prospect related I wanted to ask him. I knew I'd get it in. I wanted to, this is why you write shit down though. Because I forgot to ask him about Tom Brady. I wanted to know if he's a Buccaneers fan. He might not be. I didn't know he was from Boston and transferred into, uh, you know, what's it called? We have a couple things. Did you see Gronk retired again? Yes, Gronk retired again, and his agent said he would not rule out him returning again. So I don't know what the hell to think about Gronk. You don't know okay. what to think about Gronk? No. I, I'm, of course, going to say I think he's retired for good, but. That's just me. Yeah. Did you say that last time though? Well, I think I did. I, I think I did. I was like, I didn't see him returning. It's just the thing. Like you just want to retire and not see if I was an NFL, like any type of player, not just NFL, but I was an athlete. I would take like retiring seriously. Like I wouldn't want to like say I'm retired and then unretire four times. Cause then it's like when you retire, it doesn't have the same effect. Yeah. I get it. I predicted Tom Brady coming back like a day before it happened. And Joey's like, you knew something. Someone hopped in your DMs and told you. I was like, no. I just know Tom Brady better than Giselle, any of his kids, his dad. I know Tom Brady better than everyone. And do you remember that feeling like you got when you saw you retired? Like, <gasps> Yeah. That's just – it's not going to be as like bad like when it happens a second time. See, next, just- time, next time he retires, I think he's done. I know, but it's not going to be like the same shock fed. We're like, well, he did it once already. So yeah, I, I agree. I do think Gronk is going to come back. I do. In week twelve, Godwin or Evans, one of them will go down with like an injury that'll keep him out for a couple weeks, and all of a sudden you'll see Adam Schefter tweet some eyeball emojis or some dumb bullshit like that. So you know, we'll see what happens with Gronk. But if Gronk does stay retired, I will happily say that I believe he is the greatest tight end who ever lived, multiple-time Super Bowl champion, top of the NFL's history books in terms of receiving yards for tight ends, touchdowns for tight ends, kind of changing, not changing the way tight ends have played because I think there were other people who walked so Rob Gronkowski can run, but he's the greatest mismatch who ever lived. Nobody can guard him in the red zone. If Tom Brady put the ball exactly where it needed to be, Gronkowski was able to – jump up and snag the ball out of the air and come down for the touchdown clutch in big moments, never ceased to, or never failed in an opportunity to, you know, be great and never really got in trouble off the field, even though he had kind of like that fun, haha number 69 personality, stuff like that. I love Gronk. He's probably my favorite player besides Tom Brady, who ever lived. Yeah. So that's my soliloquy on Gronk for you, Skylar. Frank, it is your time to shine in America's favorite segment of the week. Making bets. Welcome to Breaking Bets, where Vinny Parisi thinks that adding, where's my money, bitch, is the greatest thing that anyone in the creative department here at the Barroom Network, Aldo Gandia, did, you know, at any point in time, that is the funniest thing. I literally wait for it. I think about it. I'm like, oh, tomorrow I get to hear, where's my money, bitch. Yeah, it is a nice touch. So shout out Jesse Pinkman, one of the single funniest characters in any TV show I've ever watched. Frank? 
The floor is yours. All right. We're going to start off with the NHL game for us tonight. I wanted to get a little wacky. The NHL season is almost over. We're not going to do none of these over-unders. We're not going to do any of these money lines. We're going to get a little wacky. All right. Um, there's actually something I think that we should take or people should take that um, that I don't have written down. So I don't know the odds. I just know it's plus. And the first thing, well, the th- I'll, I'll go with what I have written down first. And I think that a good value play at plus 124 is that the Tampa Bay Lightning will not score a power play goal tonight. I don't think they would have the other day if they didn't score six. I don't see them scoring six again. I see them being a little more tame. They might score three goals, maybe not even three goals, no more than three goals. If they do, I don't see it being a power play goal. Tampa, no power play goal, plus 124. The other thing that I have that's not written down, this one's a little out there. Um, I just, you know, when you have a gut feeling on something, you just have a gut feeling on something. It's just completely random. It's Lekkonen on Colorado to get a point. It's plus. He just needs an assist. He doesn't even need to score a goal. Take him to get a point. It's a little out there. I'm not saying it's a bean guarantee, but just when you have a feeling on something, you have a feeling on something. I don't know. Switching over to the MLB. New York Yankees are playing the Rays. The Yankees lost yesterday, which is a, a sight to be seen this year. Apparently, they're 50-18. and 18. Um, I don't see them losing two in a row. Montgomery against Boz, Baz, whatever his name is, whatever that schmuck is. He sucked in his previous game. Montgomery's been pretty decent this year. The Yankees are minus 151. It's a heavy price to play, but this New York Yankees team doesn't lose two games in a row too often. So I think that's a safe play if you want to throw a little juice on it. And also, in that same game, you could take Boz under five and a half strikeouts at minus 143. If the Yankees light him up, he's going to get pulled before he could even get six strikeouts. And I don't think he's going to get six strikeouts as it is, even if he plays six, seven innings. No way he goes seven innings. I'd be pretty surprised on that. But under the strikeouts for Boz at uh, minus 143, and those are all the plays. Very, very good. You did a great job. I hope everybody who follows Frankie wins lots of money. And if you fade Frankie, I hope you lose every single cent. So that's breaking bets. I'm Vinny, or I'm very excited. I read something that had my name on it while saying I'm very excited. And I said, I'm Vinny excited. I am Vinny excited. But I am here to tell everybody that the Barroom Network is the number one place where you need to watch your programming. At 7 p.m. Central tonight, you will catch the Mac and Reed show as it returns to the Barroom Network. Among other things, the guys will review the Golden State Warriors, the NBA championship, and you know stuff like that. There is no science fiction tonight. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., Greg Gabriel will be back with an all-new episode and – we want to debut a new Gabriel promo right now. What was the motivation to get into scouting? I guess I've been analytical Mm -hmm. in that area. Like even when I was like a, a kid, that's Forte's first touchdown and he autographed it. That's the Pro Bowl players one year. All those are our picks. So it's Briggs, Nate Masher, Tommy Harris. Two things, the bigger ones on top, 
Mm -hmm. Those were gifts from Parcells when we went to the Super Bowls that he gave all the scouts. It's the 85 Bears. The Bears gave us that. That Ted Phillips gave us. It's opening night at the new Soldier Field. That's Devin's touchdown in the Super Bowl. Devin autographed that. But this is our, our first draft class. If you like football, if you like the Bears, if you like us, you need to check that out because that is going to be sick, nasty with Greg Gabriel. Make sure you check it out. Frank, we have a bit of Blackhawks breaking news that I'm happy we are still on air to report because we were just about to shut it down. But, you know, I got to get this stuff out there because we're on air. Don't want to wait a whole week. The Blackhawks have finalized their hockey operations department today. They have announced that Megan Hunter has been promoted to assistant general manager of hockey operations. She is the fourth female assistant general manager in the history of the National Hockey League. Mark Eaton will remain in his role as assistant GM for development. Brian Campbell has been named advisor for hockey operations and Carolyn Pilch has been promoted to director of player personnel. Frank, all this stuff needed to get done before they found a new head coach. What do you think? A new head coach is coming for sure. I don't know much about these people, to be honest with you, but um, I'm happy to learn about them. Yeah, absolutely. So you can read all about, you know, what their roles are going to include and all stuff like that. The Blackhawks have cleaned house. Okay. The entire John McDonough, Stan Bowman, most of that regime is gone. And it sounds like, you know, a couple people got promoted, but for the most part, this is Kyle Davidson's handpicked staff now, and that's the way that it's going to be. And now I think a head coach is probably on the horizon. I know Andrew Brunette. I wrote about it for DeWindyCity.com this morning. He has to be in consideration after the um, Florida Panthers, which I'm surprised I just never mentioned this at any point in the show because it wasn't on the sheet because it was announced this morning. And I write the sheet the night before. Um, Paul Maurice, former head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, former very successful head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, is now going to be the head coach of the Florida Panthers starting next season. And Andrew Burnett, he's going to be asked to stick with the organization, but he might give him a big FU after winning the President's Trophy and a, a playoff series and basically probably having the greatest single season in Florida Panthers history. Um, the Blackhawks should give him a call. He won't have quite the roster with this team that he had with that team, not even close, but it's it's clearly a guy who's proven he can get a team going in the right direction through adversity. So definitely something to keep an eye on now that the front office is filled out just a little bit more. I also heard there were rumors that they were looking into the assistant on Calgary, but then things didn't go through there and things didn't line up. Yeah. So I never even brought it up on this show because the report was just so false. Like it, it, it was said that it was a done deal and this guy was going to become the head coach of the Blackhawks. And then it got retracted. You know, people with inside sources confirmed it to be a false thing. Now this guy could still be considered and, and hired, but the Blackhawks have not hired a head coach just yet. There are still plenty of people in the conversation. Apparently Derek King is not one of them. Yeah. I don't think King's coming back. Yeah. Me either. 
So that's our show. It was an outstanding time talking hockey with Kyle Pereira of Last Word on Hockey. We talked about all things Stanley Cup Final, all things NHL Draft, you know, had some conversations about the Boston Bruins and Minnesota Wild and New Jersey Devils and all sorts of stuff that we enjoy talking about. If you're just tuning in now, you could catch the rest of the show, the earlier portions of it on iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all sorts of ways to get your podcasts and information from us. Frank, do you have anything left to say to the masses before we head on out of here? Tune in to game four, the Stanley Cup final tonight. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, you're going to want to watch that. The Colorado Avalanche are leading the series 2-2-1 over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Colorado took the first two, and the Lightning have since won the most recent one. Game five will be Friday, and then game six, if necessary, will be Sunday night. And then, of course, game seven, if necessary, will be the following Tuesday. So the next time you see these faces on your screen, we will have crowned a 2022 Stanley Cup champion. I hope everybody enjoys the rest of the series as much as I'm going to, as much as Frankie's going to. And as always, love family, love hockey. Thank you so much for listening. Another happy landing.